Thanks for listening to our sermons from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources or service information, visit us online at sfchurch.com. Luke chapter 2 is an incredible passage of Scripture that I'm sure has probably been a part of many of your Christmas celebrations already. Whether you went to a Christmas play and you saw some kid, maybe your own kid or grandkids sitting in a your mom's old bathrobe, you know, reciting this passage of Scripture because that's how shepherds dress in mom's old bathrobe. And, and they're quoting the, you know, find the baby in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Or, or maybe uh, it was part of your celebration even yesterday. And I know at our Christmas Eve service for Southbridge that we went over Luke chapter 2. And today I want to really focus in on one specific part of Luke chapter 2. It's one verse. I'm going to read it to you from the Old King James Version uh, because I think that's the one that many people have memorized. And it's on a lot of greeting cards. It says this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I want you to notice a couple things about this passage of Scripture. I mean, it's comforting to many people. It's familiar to a lot of people. But it's so profound. This is for unto you. This is personal. This isn't unto the world, unto a a people group, unto a nation. This is for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And this can be such a familiar passage. I know in my own family, we read it every Christmas on Christmas Day. And for sometimes it feels like to the kids, it's the last obstacle before they can get their presents. And for some of us, it just can feel like a tradition. And other times it feels like worship. But we can miss, because of the familiarity, what's being said here. I mean, do you ever ask yourself just simple questions when you read a passage like this? Like, why send your son? Why him? Why for me? Why Christ? Why the Lord? There's a lot of things that you can ask why about here in Luke chapter 2. For unto you is born a Savior? Why a Savior? Why for me? Why in the city of David? Why Christ? Why the Lord? There's a lot of why questions that can be asked in this passage. And, and we know what we read a little bit later in the Gospel of Luke. There's some great stories in Luke, but he says some things like, it's impossible for a rich man to enter into heaven. It's Luke chapter 18. Then interestingly enough, in Luke chapter 19, uh, Jesus goes to the house of a rich man and tells him that salvation has come to his house. He's saved that day. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, he says this, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. Then verse 10, For the Son of Man, Jesus referring to himself, came to seek and save the lost. In other words, Jesus came to accomplish an impossible mission. It's impossible for a rich man to enter into heaven. Then he goes to a rich man's house and he says, you're going to heaven. Salvation has come to your house. And you put that in light of Luke chapter 2, for unto you a Savior has been born. So the impossible mission is saving you. But the problem is many of us don't think that we need to be rescued. We don't think that we need to be saved. I was, in fact, watching a story even this week of a guy. His name was Dr. Dilip Joseph. And uh, he was rescued by Navy SEALs. He was a doctor that was doing some uh, just philanthropic work in the Middle East, uh, helping some different clinics, doing some education. And he was traveling in his car with a couple other workers that were from Afghanistan. And some men stopped them on a roadblock and came out with AK-47s and kidnapped them. The two Afghan men were released. And Dr. Joseph, an American citizen, was not released. Now, there's not a lot of people that get to live to tell about being kidnapped by the Taliban. But he was with them for several days, and CBS did an interview with him, and he was talking to the reporter about what it was like, some conversations he had with some of these guys that all they knew was violence, and talked about trying not to become angry because he was sure that he was going to die. And he even told the story of his dramatic rescue. And what happened is he heard gunshots one night, 
and you know, here he is, he's thinking that he's going to die. And then he hears in the middle of the night, men calling out in American voices, is Dr. Dillip Joseph here? Dr. Dillip Joseph, can you imagine being, hearing your name, thinking you were going to die? And then hearing your name being called out? And so he heard this. The next thing he knew, there was a Navy SEAL that was grabbing him and shielding him with his own body. And he rescued him. One of the Navy SEALs actually died uh, in that rescue operation. Da um, Captain Nicholas Check. And uh, in the interview, the CBS reporter said to uh, Dr. Joseph, so that man died rescuing you. And you think about the rescue mission that Jesus came on. Uh, we talk about how he came and he was born of a virgin in the manger and there's no room at the inn and it's a sweet story, but he came to die. He came on a rescue mission seeking and saving that which was lost and the lost is you and me. You see, in between Luke chapter 2 and, and Luke chapter 19, there's a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 15 where Jesus is speaking to some religious leaders. And they don't know that he's telling stories about them, but he is. And he talks about things that they would identify with in their lives. And he tells stories about how much God loves lost things. He tells three stories in that chapter. Uh, the first story is about a shepherd. If he has a hundred sheep, he says, and, and one of them goes off. And they all know that a good shepherd loves a sheep. He says that if one of them goes off, the shepherd's going to go even out into the open country, into the dangers of the open country, find the sheep, and then put it on his own shoulders, carry it back. And when he gets back... He's going to throw a party, and he invites all of his neighbors and all of his friends. And then Jesus gives the point of the story in Luke chapter 15 and verse 7 when he says this. He says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Repentance means you see the way that you're going is wrong, and you turn, and you go back. You go back to God. Repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And that's the first story. The second story it's about a lost coin. A woman loses a coin, and he talks about all the work that she'll do to go and find the coin. And this is the time of year where, you know, cryptocurrency is pretty popular right now. And you'll hear these stories that will come out on the news of some guy who bought Bitcoin, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, and it was worth a nickel, and he put $100 in, and he should be a billionaire, but he lost his password. And so what's he going to do? Whatever he has to do to try and get the coin back. And that's what happens in the story, and the woman finds it. And then she calls her neighbors and she calls her friends and they have a party. And then he says this, Luke chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus says, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner. And there's that word again, who repents. The last story in chapter 15 is a little more complex than the first two stories. It's oftentimes referred to as the story of the prodigal son, but it's really a story about two lost sons. And what happens in that story is the more popular of the lost sons is the one who's not as religious and he takes his dad's inheritance and he wastes it on all the things in life that he thinks is going to bring him satisfaction and he enjoys them in the moment, but then he's empty. There's an interesting phrase that happens when he starts to consider his, his state in life. It's in Luke chapter 15, in verse 17, he says this, but when he came to himself, that's the phrase, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but if I, I perish here with hunger? That phrase, he came to himself, is a Hebrew idiom. It's a, a way of saying a repentance. That was his repentance moment where he saw himself accurately where he was at, and then he thought about his father, which in the story is symbolic for us of God the Father, and he decided to go back. It's repentance. He's turning and he's going back. And I just ask you this question. Have you ever had a come-to-yourself moment? For unto you. A savior is born. Why a savior? Because you need to be saved. 
Why? For you, because you're separated from God. And, and what I don't want for us when we read Luke chapter 2 is to be like the religious guys in Luke chapter 15. They didn't realize all those stories were actually about them. Luke chapter 2, from to you a Savior is born. That's personal. But why a Savior? Because you need to be rescued. You need to come to your self moment where you come to the realization of who you are in light of who God is. And there's a lot of misconceptions about God. He's a, you know, a cosmic killjoy. He doesn't want you to enjoy life. Or he's just a big fuzzy grandpa upstairs who's looking down and wanting to give you a bunch of gifts. And he's just all love or he's all anger. And he's all your political party or is he anti-science. And it's all these thoughts out there about God. But the Bible says that God, he is loving. But he's also holy. And because he's holy, he's separate from sin. So just imagine for a moment that you are on a mountain, a huge mountain. And then you look across and there's on the other side, there's another huge mountain. But in between, there's this huge valley. And that would be the representation of our separation from God. If you're going to see yourself accurately in light of God, you've got to realize you're separated from him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin separates us from God because he's holy and we're not. We're sinners. And so what do we do? If you were standing on one side of a mountain and you looked across this huge gap, this huge chasm, this huge valley, and you realize there's no human way possible for you to get to the other side. You can't jump. It can't be your good works. It can't be your religion. It can't be cleaning yourself up. It can't be trying harder. It can't be a church attendance. There's nothing you can do to get to God. But God's built a bridge. His name is Jesus Christ. The way the Bible says it is in John chapter 14 and in verse 6. It says, Jesus said, I am the way, or he could say, I'm the bridge. I'm the way to God. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Front to you, a Savior has been born. There's bad news, though. You're separated from him. But the good news is, is that Jesus Christ, the Savior, came to rescue you on this impossible mission to have sinful people in right relationship with a holy God. And the way that happens is you have to cross the bridge. Or another way to say it is you have to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And that happens in the moment of repentance when you turn from your sin and you decide to turn to God. Stop trusting in yourself. Stop trusting in whatever it is that you would trust in. Your accomplishments, your religion, whatever it is. And begin trusting in what Jesus Christ did for you when he not only was born in a manger, but that he died on a cross to come and rescue you. That was the rescue mission. And if you've never done that, then you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. But if you have placed your faith in Christ, then you've got to ask yourself the question, then what am I still doing here? It was interesting in that CBS interview with Dr. Dilip Joseph, uh, the reporter said at the end that while he was talking to Dr. Joseph, he said to him, you know, this guy died for you to rescue you. And he said that as a doctor, he wanted to spend the rest of his life using his talents, using his training, his medical profession to save other people's lives. And you know what Jesus says in the Bible to his followers after he leaves, because wouldn't it have made sense for him just to take them all with him? Like when he goes up and sends into heaven, but he doesn't. He says this in John chapter 20 and verse 21, after the resurrection, Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Now, he's not sending you to die on the cross for people's sins. That's already been accomplished. But what he's doing is he's sending you on a seek and save mission to seek and save that which are lost. And the way you do that is by building bridges in the lives of the people that God's brought into your life so that they can know Christ and they can walk across the way, the bridge, Jesus Christ himself. 
And so I want to challenge you, if you're a follower of Christ, we're heading into this next year, 2022. And I, I wonder, what do you think about the impossible mission that God did whatever it took to save you, to bring you into relationship with him? What would it look like for you to be more intentional in 2022 than you've ever been at helping one of your friends, one of your loved ones, one of your relatives, someone you know that's lost, walk onto that bridge of Jesus Christ into the arms of the Father to come to themselves, to come to a place of repentance and, and God to use you to build bridges into their lives to help them cross the bridge of Jesus Christ to God. What would that look like for you? I challenge you to consider that today. Front to you is born this day, a savior, Jesus Christ.